0: So Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy But it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself I thought there'd be couches in the Kleenex Look at me, son It's not your fault Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you Obviously, you don't know me So how is this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Sam And I'm Dr. Fran Welcome to Freudian Scripts, the podcast where we put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch to take a deeper dive into the way psychology is portrayed.
2: We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens.
1: As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. The content and clips in today's episode will contain explicit language and mature and adult themes. As a content warning, there will be brief references to suicide in today's episode. If you or someone you know is struggling with or at risk for suicide ideation, you can get help by calling the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988.
2: We are really excited to be returning for the fourth season of Freudian Scripts this spring. We're back. Yay! Sorry for the brief hiatus, but we're really excited to dive into this new season and we'll be launching back in with one of our favorite types of sessions, the second opinion mini session.
1: So as a reminder, these sessions, we will be sharing short clips with each other for the first time to get a second opinion from the other person. This is similar to a second opinion that one might get from an expert in a field to make sure that the advice aligns with what they may have heard from a first expert. So these are clips that Dr. Sam and I have not previously watched or shared with each other, and I think are both from shows we haven't even seen before. Uh, So this should be a fun one.
2: Yeah. And before we launch into those new clips, which, you know, like Dr. Fran and I have not seen them, but we were discussing just before we started recording what shows they were from. I do feel like they're new for both of us. And what else have you been watching, Dr. Fran, like during this break that we've taken?
1: Yeah. I mean, we picked these because we were like, oh, like what shows have we been watching in the last six months or so since our original episodes came out or since season three came out? So let's see. In the last six months, I've been watching a lot of Great British Baking Show, (laughs) as usual. Um, Those who have been following along, if you've seen or listened to our gossip episode, I talked about how I had just started watching Gossip Girl, the original version, not the new HBO reboot. Yeah, not good, apparently. (laughs) Um, So I finally finished Gossip Girl, which is, I think, (laughs) five seasons of like 24 episodes each. Like, it was a lot of episodes to watch. You were committed, but you got
2: through it. Was it worth the watch? I mean,
1: it's not high quality television, but it was entertaining. Um, And then I think like a lot of other people in the fall, I watched the first season of House of Dragon, which came out, and then Rings of Power, which is the Lord of the Rings TV show. So both of those were pretty entertaining. What about you?
2: I feel like for me, there's always like a lag after the fall and the winter, like not a lot of maybe new shows coming out. So I was rewatching some shows. I rewatched The Last Man on Earth. Um, which hits a little too close to home, being about a pandemic and then the last, like, survivors. But it's a really funny show with Will Forte. Um, I also watched You Season 4. um Watched that really quickly when the first mm-hmm. half came out. So maybe some future content for us to re- review with that, maybe in some mini sessions. And then I've been watching Servant. I recently watched The Resort, which was kind of a cool, like, weird... Um, I haven't even heard of that it's about like this couple that goes on a trip and it's kind of weird. Like there's, you're not sure like what's reality or not reality. And they're kind of trying to solve a cold case, but it was interesting and entertaining. It seems vague. I feel like I've seen trailers for it, but I haven't watched it. Yeah. And then I watched some comedy. So I watched like ghosts and Abbott elementary, which is a really sweet show. So those are some of the main ones I've been watching. I'm, I'm actually embarrassed to um, really review how much TV I've watched. So I'll stop there.
1: <laughs> well, and it's really interesting because we basically haven't watched either of the, sh- like I haven't watched any of the shows that you just listed. <laughs> Over the last six months, and I don't think you've watched any of the shows I listed, or most of them, at least. Yeah, not most of them, months. I think.
2: Yeah. Oh, we also both did watch Wednesday. I think yeah. we did not talk about that one, but we will be putting that one on the couch in the future, so uh, stay tuned for that.
1: Yeah, a lot of good themes to cover in that one. So that are those are some lists of what we have been watching, but in addition, we both have been watching some other shows that we'll share some clips from, and the only... I think general guidance we gave each other was just like something with a mental health or psychological theme. So Kept
2: it pretty open this time. Mm -hmm.
1: So are we ready to jump in and I can introduce our first clip?
2: I'm ready and excited.
1: So I picked a clip from the TV show, The Bear, which is originally aired on FX, but is available on Hulu. Um, It stars the same main character. I can't remember his name off the top of my head from uh, Shameless Lip. Um, So I just really like that actor. But the story essentially is this, chef who had been in like fine dining restaurant in Chicago uh, and then inherits his brother's like Italian beef restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so he's coming in, the restaurant's a bit of a disaster, which you'll get a little (laughs) bit of a sense from, from the clip. This is just for the first episode. Um, And I picked this clip because it kind of gives you a sense of like what he's walking into and the different dynamics at play. So he has been inherited this from his brother who just recently passed away, which you learned pretty quickly. Uh, He died by suicide and he left him the restaurant. And uh, the person who had been running the restaurant previously is his cousin, or they call him cousin. Mm -hmm. And they do not like that he has come in and like he's this fine dining guy who has come in and taken over.
2: Okay, well, I've spent a fair share of time in Chicago. So I am looking forward to this one. I've heard a lot about the show, but have not seen it. So let's see. Yeah, let's see what you think.
0: Where's my knife? Chefs, we got to sharpen our knives when we get a second. We got to sharpen your brain when we get a second. <laughs> You've been here for two weeks. We've been having money problems for two weeks. One plus one equals you're an asshole, Bobby Don't call Flay. me Bobby Flay. Sydney. you stir that pot for me, please, yes, chef. chef.
2: You want a part two? Please, oh, thank well, chef. What's
0: our best day here? Five. Okay, Ibrahim, get me a pot for the Jardin there. So if we do six, that will get us through the week, right? So, ball breaker. Just ahead. make it easy and make the fucking spaghetti. Don't say spaghetti. All these knives are dull. Spaghetti is the biggest seller on that shit was straight up fire straight up done now chef behind yeah but why
2: Very pressure situation <laughs> it seems like you couldn't figure it out
1: knives everywhere
2: knives tempers you seen? anyone understand what he's saying housekeeping
0: means you have to clean your stations because this place is fucking gross i refer to everybody as chef because it's a sign of respect and i never said i couldn't figure out the spaghetti i said it doesn't make any sense on this menu so it is done the end Three hours to open, yes. Who are you yelling at, Carmi? There's like four of us in here. Now let me ask you something. If the spaghetti didn't make any sense, how come everybody fucking loved that shit? Everybody did love it. Everybody doesn't have any taste. It was an underseason, oversauced mess. Oh, it took seven oh, hours to prep. You know what? This shit right here made you pompous and delusional and a- He's the fine dining guy. Mm-hmm. These guys, they taught you how to cook with ants, but none of these fuckwads taught you how to make a pasta. i know how to make pasta, Carmen. A, I know how to make pasta, Marcus. B, I hate to break his critical. But that gluey, mushy bullshit is not bailing us out this time. Ball breaker is facts raising plays to a dollar. So shut the fuck up. the is Tina, uh,
2: did you take my knife, chef? Did you take my pat, Jeff? <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so i think just like kind of first impressions of the clip like i feel like it's a very high pressure situation they're talking about the restaurant is like in financial uh in a difficult financial situation mm-hmm. and maybe hopefully brought him in to fix things and they've given him like two whole weeks and it isn't fixed <laughs> yeah um they're also really critical a lot of name calling and like hostility and i think he's trying his best to kind of stay calm and he's like trying to like you know. Uh, get the team on his side but there just seems to be a lot of resistance
1: <laughs> totally yeah and this is like pretty early on in the first episode and I like could only really watch one or two episodes at a time because this is how the entire show is it's just oh, wow. total chaos yelling. Like, yelling like you know things are different like things are happening all over the place and then you've got like a lot of names and you're like what is even happening like the dialogue is sometimes hard to follow Um, But it I think is supposed to emulate like a fast paced kitchen environment, which I've seen some reviews of the show that say like some of this is fairly accurate Mm -hmm. in terms of what something like this could look like Mm -hmm. um, and the clash that there might be between someone who's coming in and has this like idea of what a kitchen should look like Mm -hmm. versus the people who have been doing it a certain way for this long period of time. And then all of a sudden have this guy come in who they perceive to be like thinking he's like, you know. Hot stuff, and like he knows how to do it better and feels like he's above them. Yeah. And there's a lot of like friction and tension between them for a while until they mm-hmm. like kind of start to figure it out. But it's, I mean, spoiler ish, like it's never fully ironed out. They yeah. get better, but it's just a lot of
2: chaos. But they brought him in to help, right? Like they want, not on purpose. Oh, okay. So he's like- the one that inherited. Yeah, I see. Yeah, so
1: Carmi, the main guy who's, like, trying to, like, yell out and be like, oh, we need to have housekeeping and keep your stations clean. Like, he comes in having inherited it without any context. And some of the backstory, too, is that he his brother never allowed him to work in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So he's never been allowed to work in this restaurant before. He, like, ended up going to cooking school, culinary school, getting this fancy degree, working in these fine dining restaurants, and then all of a sudden his brother dies and leaves him the restaurant. And then all these other people who have been there for forever are like, well, who are you to come in and act like you know better than oh, the rest okay, of us? I, see.
2: I kind of thought like that had all happened, but that they were like wanting his opinion, mm-hmm. but that makes sense why they're resistant to it. And um, obviously, you know, I, full disclosure, I do not eat beef, but I know in Chicago that Italian beef sandwiches are a really big deal in those types of restaurants. And so I can imagine when he's coming in and kind of creating or working in this restaurant where they create those kind of sandwiches and they're talking about like pasta and they kind of think he's a little um like snobby and yeah. kind of like used to higher dining but it I don't know I feel like it was very chaotic but I did get the sense that he was like at least trying to like provide his rationale for why he was doing the things and even saying like he respects them and once we're together um and probably doing his best like realizing that there's that tension right they like things weren't clean he didn't have what he needed and then that other guy who I guess is the cousin the one you're talking yeah. about is just like Curling insults at right. him and he's like still just like chopping fennel and trying to cook.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because he tries to take this kind of even keel approach and like explain to people. Yeah, and sometimes that work works. But as you can see, like the communication style in this environment is to yell and to be very direct and to be kind of mean and like things only get done when you use that style of communication. Mm-hmm. So there's eventually times where he snaps and is kind of like, "La, like, and kind of meet, meets them where they're at in terms of this is how we clearly have to communicate. But then, that kind of shifts a little bit. So it's just been an interesting kind of like clash of, I don't know if cultures is the best word, but like clash of styles. Style,
2: yeah. And communication styles do vary. And a lot of communication is meeting the person, you know, where the other person is at. Um, I hope that that doesn't mean that they're all kind of meeting each other at this like name calling, yelling, shouting. Hopefully yeah. they find a happy medium. So
1: <laughs> does this feel like very Chicago to you?
2: I've never been in the back kitchen of a, you know, (laughs) Chicago restaurant, um, though I have frequented many uh, fine Chicago uh, restaurants, but I did, you know, I did hear some like Midwestern accents and, you know, I know that there are like uh, stereotypes related to Chicago. Mm -hmm. Like it seemed like both of the men were kind of like fitting into, I've also heard, even though I haven't watched it, that when people watch it, they do feel like there is that sense of it being in Chicago and feels true. So maybe I'll have to watch more and see, but I could see pieces of that for sure.
1: Yeah. And I, I, it was hard to pick a clip from this show because there are actually a ton of mental health themes in this. Um, there's some like scenes where actually he goes to Al-Anon, um, which is like the okay. alcoholics are like, um, yeah, alcoholics Anonymous for people who are uh, family members or mm-hmm. loved ones of people who struggle with uh, addiction. And so there's like some themes of addiction. There's also obviously themes of like coping with loss, especially coping with loss due to suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just like, somewhat coping with trauma like you said, some really uh carmy the main characters had some difficult experiences like mm-hmm. in previous kitchens and so there's a lot of really interesting mental health themes and also i love cooking shows and <laughs> it's true. pretending like i know things about fine dining restaurants so this was a fun watch for me but it is very chaotic so you get like a tiny bit of a snippet into like the world of what this tv show is about from this clip
2: i'm not as familiar with cooking shows as you are dr fran but um I did like very early on, you know, like Hell's Kitchen, Gordon Ramsay, Mm -hmm. when those shows were really kind of coming on the scene, I watched a little bit. And it did remind me of that, like with the fast paced, yelling out orders, like being mean to each other. I have heard that those shows have like evolved a little bit, but it did remind me of those shows. So I could see that. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, there is some like stereotype about like the kitchen environment and that being like fast paced and chaotic and harsh, a pretty harsh environment.
2: And you could see, right, it's like hot, like temperature wise, like it's very hot, it's very crowded, it's high pressure, high stakes. And that's kind of the perfect recipe, if you will, for like tempers to flare and like for there to be that hostility. So that part makes sense to me, too.
1: Yeah, well, I would recommend it. Um, Yeah, maybe just taking it a little bit of it at a time to watch the show, (laughs) but I would recommend it. I enjoyed it.
2: Very cool. Well, um, it'll be interesting to segue to my clip because very different. Yeah. (laughs) You don't also have a a chaotic chef show to share with me? No, not today. (laughs) All right, Dr. Fran. So now I'd like to get your second opinion on clips from an episode of AP Bio.
1: I have not seen this show. I don't even really know what it's about other than I assume it's like a teacher- in a like high school AP bio course. And it's a comedy, I think.
2: Yes. So this show is, uh, can be streamed on Peacock and it is about a Harvard kind of like a disgraced Harvard professor, um, named Jack Griffin, who is actually played by Glenn Howerton who we've covered previously on a session, um, about always sunny in Philadelphia. He plays Dennis. Um, but this Harvard professor, Jack, he loses his dream job at Harvard, like in a very, um, public profile kind of way like gets Mm -hmm. in a fight with like a more distinguished professor um so reluctantly like loses his job and has to move back to his hometown of Ohio after his mother has died so he's kind of dealing with like the grief of the loss of his job and his mom um a lot of complex emotions that he just bottles all up inside um and he starts working as a high school AP bio teacher um and It's pretty funny. A lot of hijinks ensue because he does not care about teaching AP bio. I was going to say, he
1: probably is not very thrilled about this career change.
2: He is not. He does not like Ohio. He does not like children, it seems like. He does not (laughs) like teaching AP bio. He's also like his, at Harvard, he was like in philosophy. So it's not even like aligned with like his like area of expertise. Um, uh, But he is begrudgingly there. And like throughout the show, he makes like really like funny and cute, like relationships and rapport with the students he always kind of gets them involved in his personal life as opposed to actually teaching them anything about ap bio so in this particular episode um he kind of gets them involved in his dating life um his students his students yes always they're always good start good start (laughs) (laughs) um so in this clip we're going to listen actually to one of uh a new woman that he is dating as she is in a therapy session so let's give it a listen the woman
1: he's dating is in a therapy
2: session yes the woman he's dating is in a therapy session
0: and how did that make you feel shayla going to the symphony i don't know bored it's like just going to see the closing credits of a movie i meant how do you feel about this potential relationship i don't think it's a good fit he always has just the right amount of stubble too deliberate i think you're doing what you always do prematurely ending a relationship to avoid the inevitable pain that love brings Uh, no i did not end the last one prematurely we had irreconcilable differences he wore socks in bed okay i have an assignment for you take out your day planner right now please that is a red flag (laughs) i want you to give this new guy a couple of months just to break the cycle of self-sabotage so mark 60 days from your first date and on that day you can dump him if you choose to do so okay 60 days and then it's dump day. that's kind of a while i don't know i feel kind <laughs> of bad using this guy as my therapy homework is it worse than ghosting him now because of his stubble i met someone y'all <laughs> that was a lot of stubble i,
1: don't know if I would say that was just right myself <laughs> Um, I, this is an interesting clip. I think it's, I like that they're kind of bringing in the, um, I think this is a really common thing that we hear talked about where people will prematurely kind of come up with reasons for not wanting to be in a relationship as the therapist kind of alludes to maybe because of like a fear of commitment or kind of like, if I go ahead and hurt this person now, they can't hurt me later. So I think it's interesting because it's like maybe a common thing that we hear talked about or like seen, you know, in TV shows and movies Mm -hmm. to bring this in the therapist, I think is doing a pretty decent job (laughs) of trying to like call out of like, I'm seeing this pattern. We've talked about this, Mm -hmm. you know, uses the kind of term like self-sabotage, which maybe isn't exactly the like clinical term that we would use, but kind of like trying to meet where her, her, where she's at, but like call her, out on what the pattern that she's likely redoing here again Mm -hmm. Um, I like the idea of her trying to give a challenge I was wondering
2: what you thought about like the homework with the day planner
1: yeah I like the idea of giving some type of challenge of like but I don't think I would go so far as to be like two months like that's a long time to be dating someone that you maybe and actually genuinely have no interest in Uh, and to the client's point she's like that's a long time to like be doing a therapy assignment. And I feel kind of bad doing this to a sure. person. It reminds me a little of a how to lose a guy in 10 days, it's oh, almost yeah. like a little experiment that's being done mm-hmm. on this unknowing person. So I don't love the exact parameters of the homework, but I like the idea of challenging the client to kind of push past what they might normally do mm-hmm. to see if it works better than their typical pattern of behavior.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm curious, you know, what do you think, like given you said, it's a little bit long and we're not really sure how she actually feels about Jack, like, you know, in terms of using him as this homework assignment, you know, obviously this is a comedy and a TV show, but what do you think could happen or what are some potential avenues that this type of homework could take in maybe a real life scenario or even in the TV mm-hmm. show?
1: I think in a, like, if this was a rom-com, what <laughs> would happen is that she would do the homework. She would, you know, set this date. She would act like she's never going to fall in love with this guy. And then she would end up falling in love with him. And then, you know, he'd find out that she did this experiment by like looking in her planner and then they'd get in a big fight. And then at the end they would reconcile basically how to lose a guy in 10 days would play out in this TV show. But it's not a, it's not a rom-com. Um, what else could happen? Maybe he grows his beard out and then she's like, nope, now he has a beard. I'm out. I don't know. Something like ridiculous, but I think she's going to end up breaking up with him.
2: Well, you you know, I think you're kind of close. So he, <laughs> of course, has to involve the students, though. Oh, right. So the students. he doesn't just like spy on her. He enlists the help of his students, who really do this like whole elaborate plan to look into her planner, and then they inform him, like,
1: oh, oh, so he does find out. Yeah, they uh-huh. tell him
2: like bad news, Mr. Griffin. Like she's like using you. What did
1: she write in her planner that is so obvious?
2: That's a good question. I think maybe it's like sixty days from now, break up with Jack, therapy homework <laughs> done. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Well, rule number one, don't write detailed plans of your like nefarious activities in your planner. Oh, yeah, never,
2: never. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing you learn from this podcast. <laughs> um, so the students let him know, and then he continues to enlist the help of his students to kind of sabotage her, like, oh, I'll get her back. So let's actually listen to what happens as a result of the therapy homework, and then we can discuss a little bit more. Okay.
0: I
1: already don't like that the students are being involved. They're always involved. <laughs> Do they learn anything? No.
0: I almost broke up with a guy because his stubble was too deliberate. <laughs> okay, well, he sounds like a dope. Actually, he's growing on me. So she is
1: starting to maybe like him. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. ah, <laughs> good. You got me. I guess I'm a walking razor commercial, huh? <laughs> Full disclosure, I really was ready to take this, but my therapist convinced me to give it a fair chance. You're kind of my therapy
1: homework. Oh, <laughs> She
0: doesn't it's seem surprised. Bad. I know. Oh. I, uh, I had my students look through your planner, and when they found out, we came up with this whole plan to manipulate <laughs> you into dumping me... Don't tell her ...so that. that you would fail at therapy. What? <laughs> yeah, the whole thing was fake. The lost kid, the stolen <laughs> beans, those beans were not stolen. I, I bought all those beans. Why would you do that? Well, you know, you you were trying to make a fool out of me, so I wanted to make a fool out of you wow that is so messed up (laughs) i wasn't trying to make a fool out of you i was trying to give myself time to trust someone there i really hope it was worth buying all these creepy decorations just to freak me out he didn't do that did he
2: so for context he's talking about beans and stuff and the creepy decorations basically they the students come up with the idea of like well like make her really regret it. Like she make her break up with you. Like kind of like what you're saying. (laughs) They even reference it. The students are basically like, let's make such a bad date that she'll have to break up with you and she'll fail the homework. So did he give her a love fern? No, he did not give her a love (laughs) fern. but he lives like in a house. Like I, I think I mentioned his mother had died. He lives in his mother's old house. So it's still like very decorated, like a kind of old fashioned, like floral print, like very old house. Um, so, when she said the thing about the decorations, that's actually just his house. But, like, all the other stuff that he did to, like, with the beans to find her plant, uh, he had, like, done this whole, like, scheme of beans um, to find her planner. And then the date was just, like, really horrible. Um, so, what I'm curious about though, like, you know, a couple things happen here. She comes clean, and then he also comes clean, but, like, kind of, he, my impression was that he kind of talked more about a malicious intent. Like, I just mm-hmm. wanted you to fail. But the reason why I think he did all that because he was hurt. He actually liked her. So I'm right. kind of curious about your thoughts about this discussion and how it played out.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Like the, the delivery of it, like for her, she kind of says it in like, Oh, I actually really do like you. Yes. And it's funny because like this started off as like a challenge to myself from my therapist. And like, I'm really glad it worked out because I like needed to learn to trust people versus his delivery is like, Oh yeah, I found out about that. And because you were being a jerk, I decided to be a jerk yes. so that we were even. So the like malicious intent comes through and makes it, a little harder, I think, for her to be like, oh, okay, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Versus when she explains it, I mean, he already knows. And I think probably yeah. he goes, I'm guessing he goes into this date kind of expecting they're not going to stay together. Oh, yeah. He's trying to like, it's over. Yeah. Like, and in his it. mind, it's done. And versus she's going to this conversation with, like, I like this person and I'm going to open up and mm-hmm. share this so that we can move forward without secret. So, like, mm-hmm. they're just not on the same page going into the conversation, even though they both have somewhat betrayed each other's trust. Yeah. Uh, Going into this,
2: and it is kind of sad because they do both genuinely like each other. So what leads to this conversation is like the date goes so horrible. She kind of calls him out. She's like, "We've gone on two wonderful dates. Like you were like thoughtful and caring, and now this." She and she basically says like, "I know you're taking this on purpose, and if you want to push me away, fine." Mm -hmm. And then they both kind of start comparing like things that they've done to push people away because they're afraid Mm -hmm. to get close. That's why she says the thing about like, "I almost broke up with someone because the stubble." So they're actually having like a nice moment of like bonding and realizing they both maybe have trouble committing to others. I always thought that Jack could have been like, it goes to communication, like in your clip, actually, with the cooking clip, kind of similar, because I thought that Jack could have done something a little bit more like, well, I was hurt when I found out. And so I did this to sabotage relationship. But I'm like where you are at. Like, I actually feel like this is promising, but it does not go that way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have the same thought. Like, there would be a way for him to explain what happened in a way that, again, is not just malicious intent, but like explaining the justification behind it or like the feelings behind it of like, oh, when I first found out I was really upset and I kind of wanted to get back at you because I was really hurt, but, you know, I know that wasn't the right thing to do and I realized I might hurt you back and I really care about you. So I feel like there was a way he could own up to what he did in a way that was reparative as opposed to like damaging, which is ultimately what happened.
2: Yeah. And if you watch the show or, you know, I would recommend listeners to give it a watch if you want like a funny kind of cute comedy. One of the main themes of the show really is revenge. Like he, mm. from the offset, he wants revenge on the people at Harvard who wronged him. He wants revenge on like his estranged a, a father. He's all about revenge and he has um, some like narcissistic tendencies. So I think that you all, you, you really see that all in this clip, that he doesn't care now, like, you know, where they where they could have gone. It's all about getting her back because she made him look bad. And because he usually involves a lot of people, it's not like he just looks bad to himself. It's like, well, now I will look bad in front of my students, and I will look bad right. in front of, like, all of these people who are in on this scheme. So. A lot of, like, saving face. and Yes. Yeah. And he is very – he worries about that kind of stuff a lot. And he's really just trying to plot how to get back to Harvard and leave, like, the people of Ohio behind, even though he is starting to establish those connections despite his best efforts. So – And maybe if he had
1: gone to see that therapist, she would call him out on that and say like, how is this working for you? Is this actually getting you what you want? And my guess is probably not. Probably not.
2: His students, you know, in an inappropriate manner, sometimes do challenge him and lead him to some small nuggets of insight. So, you know. (laughs) But they're not learning anything. They're learning maybe life lessons about how not to behave when they're an adult, hopefully, but otherwise, no. Not going to be on their AP bio test at the end of the year. And the students are really cute because they actually really care and want to do well. And he is just doing them a huge disservice. Oh no.
1: <laughs> is he, it seems like he's a similar character to in Ollie's Sunny. Like, isn't he, don't they have some similar characteristics? I haven't watched that show, but he seems similar from the other clip that you had me watch.
2: They do like pretty, like, like, like really caring about himself, kind of like yeah. um, a little bit like abrasive, um, you know, always scheming. That's another common thread in both shows. So nice. I, I find him like to be very funny and, and his, like, direct approach to humor. So I think that's why I like both shows. Yeah,
1: And in classic Dr. Sam fashion, she snuck in two clips, even though the objective was to pick one clip. And classically, she picked two, as she always does.
2: <laughs> I wanted resolution. Like, I thought it was kind of funny. Like, what happens when this therapist gives the advice? We saw what it played out. So I was just curious. And you did a pretty good job of predicting, you know, in your... Um, all-knowing wisdom of entertainment
1: themes. I know. This is how you know we watch too much or a lot of TV and movies that you see. I mean, you know, and also that cinema is very repetitive, right? Like the same.
2: The archetypes and themes. Exactly. And how how things play out. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you'll check out the show. Maybe Maybe I'll check out the bear. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into our second opinion session today and for joining us for the start of season four of the podcast. Don't forget to send us your own clips for us to watch in the future, put on the couch, or give a second opinion to. Um, you can always email us or find us on Instagram, Twitter. And now our new TikTok page. So we're on all of the things at Freud Script Pod.
1: Stay tuned this season. We have a lot of super exciting episodes coming up. We've got Everything Everywhere All At Once, 51st Dates, The Patient, we mentioned oh, yeah. Wednesday, some fun mini sessions as always. So please subscribe, rate, and review, and keep following us.
2: Time's up. See you next session.
1: We'd like to thank our producer, Brandon, creative director, Eric, and webmaster, Don.